Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. That's... Yeah. <laughs> they have asked for that, really. Well, you can laugh. I have to walk up. I'm a little bit of an idealist, but having said that, I want to be like me. But you don't know what you're talking about. What have you done? I'd like to stay alive for six I'd like to stay alive for six days. I'd say it to you, face. I'll say it to you now. I'm down to one field and we'll see them. What you doing down here, you shiny man? Good afternoon, football fans. Boy, have I got some exciting news to share with you today. Euro 2028 is, well, could be coming to town. Or at least a number of different towns around the Republic of Ireland, Northern Ireland, England, Wales and Scotland who've announced together we shall bid for the right to host the tournament. But wait, aren't we already bidding together to host the 2030 World Cup? (laughs) Not anymore. Forget that plan. That was a city plan. But this, this is going to work. Hi, Ken. Hi, Murph. Hey, Owen. How's it going? How are you doing? Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Football Podcast. You were there, Ken, to hear the announcement of this bombshell pivot. How are we characterizing it? I was virtually there, Owen. Uh, it was a virtual conference with the heads of the five... The five families of football. <laughs> <laughs> who's um, who's, who's um, Don Corleone in this one? Are we Bruno Tatalia? Um, or are we that other guy? <laughs> Barzini. Barzini, yeah. Are we, are, are we Barzini? I don't think we're Barzini. Who's the, who's the least important member of the five families? We're like, whatever, the, the Staten Island family. Yeah, there's a guy, uh, Cunio, who literally doesn't have one line in the movie. Right. So I'd say um, we're probably... Well, maybe Northern Ireland or Cunio. Well, you know, we, uh, what about uh, Wales are headed by Noel Munio, uh, who is... Uh, <laughs> nice guy, nice. Unbelievable guy. You might say that, that you know, when you, when you look at it, Northern Ireland have, a, I guess, an Englishman in charge. We've got an Englishman in charge. England have an Englishman in charge. Scotland have a Scotsman in charge. Wales... Mm-hmm. You might think, with Noel Mooney, you have an Irishman. But I can reveal that Noel Mooney has literally become Welsh. <laughs> uh, so this is Noel Mooney, who used to work at UEFA. Uh, and was to... working at the FAI there for a while. Now, he's now the, the, the CEO of the FAW Wales. But you might think, well, we've got an, we've got an Irish guy running the Welsh setup, <laughs> right? But no, Noel Mooney has literally become a Welshman. And I say this because he, uh, when eventually a question was sort of pitched his way, um, I think it was Paul Lennon's question. Paul Lennon's question was along the lines of, we've bid for tournaments in the past and it hasn't always been a success story. What makes you think this time is going to be different? <laughs> and, you know, I'm glad, I'm glad you asked that question, Paul, and I hope you're doing real well over there in Ireland. Um, but then he said, we've got a saying, we've got a saying here in Wales. He then uttered some words in Welsh 
and he said it means together stronger and I thought what this is unbelievable <laughs> Mooney is literally speaking Welsh and <laughs> talking about our history our language our heritage and meanwhile our guy is <laughs> sitting over there in London <laughs> this is it, it, in his answer to the same question he incorrectly pointed out that Ireland uh, Dublin has already in fact hosted the Europa League final in 2009 no it didn't it was uh, actually 2011 but uh, I suppose what's what's two years here or there I mean Wembley hosted the Champions League final in I think uh, yeah in 2011 did they host in who, who made that faux pas that was that, that was, was Jonathan Hill our guy Jonathan Hill yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. now 2011 and 2013 so I don't know maybe he thought we were 20, 2009 or 2011. Sean as we, as you know that ensure he's called from now on was he seen about Bill Mooney Mooney's today well literally Mooney is, is Welsh now so you know that's that's how much he's committed to it mm. Um, whereas uh, Jonathan Hill obviously there's some some question marks really you're still not living in Ireland does it matter Ken does it matter where anyone's from in this in the, in, the, in this world of globalisation I mean look what we're doing here we've got these five vastly different cultures coming together to try to deliver an international football tournament for all the people of these isles yeah. and I for one all piss taking apart I mean the Euros does seem did he get to the Euros they Ken? basically said look the World Cup's not going to happen it's a bit too big <laughs> but the Euros that's something that maybe we could make work it's a bit more feasible is that essentially what's happened today uh, well basically the, they, they weren't going to get the World Cup anyway so it just would have been a waste you know they wouldn't get the votes it looks as though um, FIFA wants Spain Portugal and frankly who can blame them um, but uh, well this is this hasn't been presented as a sort of well you know actually we're, we're incredibly unpopular in world football so we can't get the votes um, this instead is presented as a um, well, the thing about the Euros is you get pretty much the same bang for your book as the World Cup, except you, you well, no, sorry, you get a bigger bang for your book, you spend fewer books and you get a similarly sized bang. You know, the World Cup, sure, you, we could host the World Cup, but what is it really? It's a bloated jamboree, costs loads of money, and ultimately it doesn't make you feel any better than the Euros. No. So let's, let's host the Euros. Um, you know, a similar return on investment with far lower delivery costs to quote the uh, literal press release and so Ken um, I have a question Um, Mm, mm. where would the final of this tournament be held I don't know if that question was even asked uh, Kieran because Because it it, it would suggest it would seem to me the likeliest place for this to happen is Wembley Um, and I was just wondering how that went last year was that good Did, did that go well was that some? Was that the sort of event that the FEI are eager to uh, would be eager to be associated with? That question. That question did come up actually. Uh, they have a look was, at that Euros final and say, "Yes, I want to be a part of this." The FA's chief executive, uh, Mark Bulliam, was asked about that, mm. and he did. And you know, basically, look, we've. You know the way Boris Johnson says, "We have to wait for the reports uh, for the for the report of the inquiry." Mm. Right when in response yeah. to every question, I think he basically referred to a report that's already been done. You know, like the learn. I think did he use the word learnings? I think he did. Uh, you know, there've been there've been learnings. Look, it was a perfect storm. He definitely said it was a perfect storm. We're, we're playing the final at six a.m. in the morning. That's what everyone <laughs> said we should do. So that's what we're going to do. The Euro twenty twenty eight final kicks off at six a.m. in the morning. <laughs> it was a perfect storm of of events, and uh, you know the, they seemed confident it wouldn't be happening again. I mean, I guess I guess the final will probably be at Wembley. I mean, I don't. I don't maybe it was just we all just in a, in a brainwash manner just assumed that. 
You know, we just assume it will be at Wembley. Maybe it will be at Casement Park, you know, because uh, that was a, that was one of the questions that came up in relation to Northern Ireland. Given that Windsor Park is uh, is considerably off the the size um, that mm. would be necessary to host a World Cup match. I mean, what's the capacity of Windsor Park is like around twenty thousand. Eighteen and a half thousand. Eighteen and a half thousand. So. Um, either they, you know, double the size of Windsor Park or Casement Park, which is being redeveloped at the moment. Murphy, this would be your... Uh, it's in turnaround, uh, to use a Hollywood phrase. Uh, it's, in okay. it's in turnaround. So, you know, maybe Casement Park. So you could have World Cup matches in uh, in the, the UK and our World yeah. Cup, hosting a stadium named after an executed traitor. Uh, <laughs> not like, the World Cup, of course, Ken. Uh, as a, you know, that's the oh, there. Okay. The Euros oh, is yeah. the whole point. The Euros. It's, it's, it's just as good as the World Cup. Casement uh, is a European, you know? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, he, he uh, well, I mean, we're all, we're all Europeans, although in what sense? Mm. You know, um, I think it was Tony O'Donoghue who asked Jonathan Hill about whether the fact that we're an EU country, unlike these other four renegade nations, mm -hmm. uh, I, I don't think he used that, that specific phrase. <laughs> Rogue states. But, but we are we're an EU uh, country, and you know, is that sort of is that significant? Is that good? Yeah, and he said, well, uh, us being part of the EU, I definitely see as a benefit for the overall bid. We're bidding for a European tournament, and us being part of Europe is going to be a benefit, which I thought was a good way to phrase it. Point because uh, he's he's conflated there the EU with with Europe, which obviously not everybody in the UK, not everybody in the UK agrees with that interpretation. Sure, not everybody in Ireland necessarily agrees with that interpretation either but yeah that was the that was how we put it look you know what are we what are we talking about here i mean why are we bidding for these silly tournaments i don't know i mean would it be nice ultimately to have a european you know to have euros games in dublin yeah i mean it'd probably be yeah, a bit of crack. really nice I, mean, I, I don't understand all the all the cynicism towards it it's like if because you why games, is there cynicism towards it i'll tell you what let me finish my point no yeah go on. sorry go on go on i'll finish your point go on you get a few you get you get a few Big games of football in Dublin with big international teams. Uh, plenty of excitement around it. A lot of people getting together in a stadium and going absolutely fucking nuts. It is a good tournament actually to be part of, if, even if you don't necessarily want to be associated with the scenes that might might happen at the final at Wembley. And if financially it works, now I don't know, I haven't had time to, to crunch the numbers here, but you know, if it does and you get the money in to cover it and all that kind of stuff, then what's what's the big deal? Why is everyone so down on it? Okay, the, the one question I would ask out of all of that is, do you think the FAI will make money or lose money on hosting the Euros? Presuming they're going to... The FAI are going to make money. I don't. I presume they are... I've looked at it, Murph. I presume they are crunching numbers. Are they going to sell, like, Euros NFTs or something? What's the story? How are they going to make money? Well, presumably, if the country's going to make loads of money, we can get... We can, Keep the FAI sorted in amongst that, and they're not the going to be out of pocket. The country will be fine. The FAI are are in unbelievably bad financial straits. The country will be fine with or without the euros. So the FAI is the question here. And if the FAI sink four million four million quid into this bid, which they probably will do just to bid for it, let alone no, what I'm saying is, get if, it. if anything, if there, if these, if these hypothetical losses are made, Murph, I presume they can be covered by the Irish state, who in turn will make the money back from tourists coming in and every other way you make money. Uh, therefore, everyone's okay. So what's the problem? Because it shows the most ridiculous skewed priorities that I've, I think I've ever come across in Irish public life. The idea that the FAI would look at all of the problems in Irish football right now and decide that any part of the solution would be hosting Euro 2028 is just so depressing to me. I mean, 
okay, maybe if the last 20 years of the of the history of the FBI had gone differently and they had been a steady ship over the course of those 20 years, we would be able as a nation to be able to, you know, allow for this kind of indulgence, which would be nice for three weeks in six years' time. But the idea that the FBI would spend any more, longer than 30 it, seconds it, on be a few games, Omar, It's not like, I'd agree with you if we were talking about hosting this by ourselves and, you know, it's, the odd time it's been floated, wouldn't it be a lovely thing to host the Olympic Games or, you know, this kind of nonsense. But you're talking about hosting a few matches, you know, we've, we, we've, I don't, I don't see that it being the end of the world or that it's going to, you know, jeopardise the future of football in the country or anything like that. Yeah, it's not the end of the world. It's just a really bad idea. I mean, I can't think of anyone other than a Fianna Fáil politician who thinks this is the sort of thing to get excited about. I'm like, I, I just, I, I can't, I just can't understand it. I mean, am I, am I crazy, Ken? Am I being Ken? too cynical? No, I basically agree with you, Kieran. Like, I mean, this is, you know, it's, it's the all for account and no knickers thing, you know? Yeah, um, just... Like, are, are we, you know, we're, we're going to host more games? Like, I mean, what, you know, are we going to, are we going to maybe at any point sort out the football situation in this country or are we just going to concentrate on, can, but can, on trying to attract high profile well look we can't do either we can't maybe do we either. can <laughs> maybe, maybe we can we've shown in the past that we can't do either I should say I mean you know well maybe, I don't know, maybe we can I mean you know it's like I mean it, just hosting big sporting events I mean okay I suppose this this at least is like a a, a, a multi party bid you know it's, it's, a, it's a five way split uh, of the of the burden i mean remember that we've just had a euro 2020 2021 whatever um which was dispersed everywhere because they couldn't find anyone crazy enough to say i'll host this you that's know? what makes me think we might have a chance of actually winning this bid well i mean it, you know and they were talking this will probably be by the time it's 2028 it'll probably be 32 team 32 team euros you know yeah. that's, that's what they're talking about so like i mean you, you are getting to the point where you need to spread it over several countries and look, you know, I mean, maybe it's not going to cost that much. Maybe it's all right. But I just kind of feel as though, yeah, once again, here we are, like going, oh, you know, let's host a big game. And like, okay, what are the other things? Now, okay, let's, there's, a, there's another piece of information here. There's another piece of the puzzle. If people are beginning to lose the plot out there. I mean, I know, Owen, some people agree with you. Why are you being miserable? Why, you know, why, why is this not, is this not good? And yeah, I agree. Oh, look, it, it might be, it might be nice. Um, but we've, I just feel as though we've got other priorities. We should have other priorities right now. Now, maybe these priorities are going to become clearer tonight as the FAI launched their FAI 2022 to 25 strategy. That uh, launch event is tonight on the FAI's YouTube channel at 7 p.m. Uh, tomorrow, they're then doing a press briefing uh, to talk about the uh, to talk about the strategy. So. I guess this will maybe answer some of the, this will address some of the other questions. You know, it's like, yeah, it's great, great that we're like um, sidekicking along with the UK to um, host a big uh, tournament. But like, what are we actually doing here? You know, what's going on in this in this country? Uh, and I guess maybe some of the some of those questions will be addressed here. Obviously, today's meeting was today's um, press conference was very much focused on the euros they sort of specified that you know none, none of your parochial concerns are to be raised at this if you, if, you have, <laughs> if you have parochial issues to raise with your chief executive please do yeah. so in, in a different setting so that's what uh, so yeah look maybe there's going to be some of that so you know and again I, I hate to you know your enthusiasm Owen is it's, it's beautiful. like it's kind of 
you know, like it's you not so much the enthusiasm. enthusiasm. I'm, it's more. It's more. I think you two are just have this reflexive thing. Maybe based on the fact that we've been burnt in the past. I don't know. You seem to have a reflexive cynicism towards this idea without even being willing to explore the possibility. It's just the, to- the sorts of people who are so proud of like of hosting sports tournaments. I mean, who are we talking about here? John Delaney, Boris Johnson. You know, he's mm. desperate. He's desperate to do it. Like, I mean, yeah. Uh, but hang on, they always piggyback on sport. Like, they're, they're, that's always going to be there. It doesn't mean that actual Irish football supporters or Irish sports fans, Irish people can't enjoy it as well, you know? Yeah, that's no. yeah, that's that's <laughs> fine. Like, but I mean I'm just I'm a little curious just to hear just how much enjoyment we think we're gonna get out of maybe it's four games, you know, but I mean like a quarter final. You know, it's like it's it it's it's not even something to get genuinely excited about. You know, it's I'd like, say it'd be more than I'd say it'd be more than four games. I mean, like, I don't know because I haven't. They there's haven't five countries. Any, any there's details. five countries. There's, there's going to be twelve stadia. Five, we only five, have one. The, five the, countries. Well, we've got Croke Park and and the Stadium. Croke Park. Like, what are we getting Croke Park involved for? Like, what would what, you say? What'd you say? What'd you say? Sorry, what would you say, like, Murph? Why are we getting Croke Park involved? Do you know what I mean? It's like, well, well, well you, don't, you don't think Croke Park's a good stadium? Well, I, I've. You don't think Croke Park is good enough to host matches in the Euro- European Championship? Croke Park is is fine. They would have to do quite a bit of work in it, I think. Um, oh, and it, yeah, I think so. I mean, it hasn't been really been redone since it was built, so well, I sure, presume. Yeah, I'm sure, the sure the GAA could take that into consideration. But but even at that, like if you're spreading uh, an event over five countries, do you really think Dublin is going to get two stadia? You know what I mean? Like, well, hang on a second. Hey, hang on. You're talking about five. You're talking. You're talking. There's not a talk here of five countries, but. I'm counting two countries. <laughs> okay. So how yeah. many how, how many games should we get out of sixty three? I'm, I'm talking five uh, football associations. Yeah, there's a different <laughs> difference between a football association and a country. I think like, there is indeed. There is. We've indeed. got two on this island alone. Yep. Football associations. But what I would say um, to you, uh, Murph, is that uh, I don't see any reason why we should simply have four matches or whatever. I'm sure it would be a bit more than that. Although you know, I am. I don't know why I've turned on you here because yeah. well, I, no, I no. did. No, no, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just interested. To, to, like, it, I mean, it's, if you're appealing to the dreamers, you know, to the own McDavid's out there, you know, oh, like, uh, like, uh, like let's put style. on a show, you know, circus, spread and circus, you know. If, but, we, if we don't get at least the semi-final, then we should kick the the legs from under the whole thing immediately. Well, one thing we might, might want to clarify because I was reading here that it's not I mean, certain to be thirty-two teams yet. Uh, Hang on a second, we, we we do need to clarify that we actually will be in this in this tournament automatically because if it's only twenty-four teams. They're not going to put five teams in automatically. So we, oh, we well, we're not getting in automatically regardless. If, if it's 32, even if it's 32 countries, we can't get in uh, automatically. All right. Well, then I, I've, I'm, I'm, I'm losing a certain amount of enthusiasm for the project. <laughs> That's a question that that, that was uh, mentioned today. But no, um, there's no clarity on that yet. You know, this is all very, this, this, this thinking is all very fresh. It's all so fresh that we don't yet so know. Something tells me it's not going to be much of a vote getter. Uh, amongst the other nations who are actually going to make this decision, vote for us. Obviously, that will mean four less positions. But then, that's yeah, fine. but what's the, what's the alternative? Germany. I mean, we don't know who else is going to host this. I think Germany's hosting the next one. Well, Germany's yeah. hosting the Germany next one. Germany could just host every one of them, but I don't yeah. know how often that. And also, uh, well, I mean, England. Well, that's basically what the FA are trying to do here, anyway, isn't it? Like two out of three finals in Wembley is what we're going to end up with if this wins. And I mean, it probably will win, will it? I mean. I mean, they, they wouldn't. They wouldn't pull out of the World Cup uh, uh, and then say, "Oh, well, actually, we didn't want to host you anyway," and go to the Euros only to be rejected. But I mean, I presume that some amount of like preliminary vote getting has been going on to suggest that this uh, hairbrain scheme actually has a chance of winning. 
Right? Well, I mean, right? I don't know. I think your, your presumption is dangerous. If I have two tickets to the Sweden-Slovakia last 16 game of Euro 2028, <laughs> you are, I'm going to remember this conversation. You're not getting my spare. That's all I'm saying. No. Oh, God. Hopefully, by the time that tournament rolls around, every national team would have figured out that the main penalty taker being put in a position where they might not get to take a penalty in a shootout is not a good idea. <laughs> this is one we're all grappling with after last night, Ken, the drama at the Africa Cup of Nations. Uh, it's one of the best penalty shootouts I've ever seen. Because of this incredible Mane Salah dynamic. Oh, <laughs> I, I so good to watch. I don't know what it is about it. Like, because there's only ever been really that one big, um, you know, hostile outburst when Mane mm. completely lost it and started screaming uh, at Salah when he didn't pass to him that time. Um, but to somehow just such attention <laughs> it's incredible and then to watch this and Manny obviously I think it's the hardest struck penalty that I've oh. ever seen saved in the, uh, in the oh, his the, one the in the game one. after Salah had given a bit of advice to the goalkeeper well, Manny so, you're like what are you doing Salah get out, get, your, get out of there and he comes over he's like get out of there Salah's like no and then the keeper saves it unbelievable um, but like yeah, it was. It, I mean, it was a, again another terrible game that you knew was going to go to penalties. But I assumed that it was going to end with Salah scoring the winning penalty after Mane had missed his penalty. That's what I assumed would happen. And obviously, the, it was the opposite of that. Mane scored the winner with an amazing like penalty where he just put absolutely every fiber of his of his being into just whacking the ball as hard as he could into the corner. Do you and, think he was he had imagined that the ball was Salah's head? <laughs> I was watching that I was like I didn't rule that out as a possibility <laughs> just Mo's head just like smiling at him well he went like, over I'm just so popular and everyone thinks I'm so nice you <laughs> saw you saw the uh, you know Diego Torres did a big expose on their relationship oh yeah oh oh big time yeah yeah now I'm not sure if Diego Torres is, um sources at Liverpool FC are quite as good as his sources at um, at Real Madrid I mean the fact that he quotes Trevor Sinclair of TalkSport saying, between these two players, there is a giant problem. Leaves me to think, I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm necessarily believing what Sinclair says. But the, the factual claims that he that he puts in the um, article are, first of all, that Klopp asked Liverpool staff who kind of have the closest relationship with each of my and Salah to text them and say, hey guys, listen, absolutely best of luck. Remember, both of you are out there uh, representing our club and protect our image by showing mutual respect. The blood of your personal and professional rivalry must not reach the river, no matter how hot the match. Salah's response was positive, with reservations. Mane's response was simply dry. See you in Liverpool next week. <laughs> so, the nightmare that has haunted Klopp since Christmas materialised last Thursday when Egypt qualified to play Senegal in the African Cup final that ends this Sunday at 8 p.m. Okay, so uh, that's, yeah, that, yeah, that's this is apparently his, his, his nightmare. Um, you know, they have to play each other in the World Cup as well. You know, they qualify for the, they have to play each other in a World Cup qualifying playoff, like, uh, which is going to be. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'll be watching. His I mean, two, it'll be his, nil all, obviously, but I'll it, still be watching. Fate placed the Egyptian and Senegalese face to face. His two most unbalanced players long faced in an underground gorilla that has divided the locker room for years. Gorilla? Don't we usually say gorilla war? Ah, but gorilla literally means little war, doesn't it? I think it does, right? You don't need to say guerrilla war because that would be like saying little war war. Right? Isn't it? <laughs> Isn't it? Um, where are it we? It sounds like a global pandemic type um, mm. grammatical issue you had for a long time, Ken. 
so Klopp's saying, look, you know, we, we can win the Champions League. Uh, the last thing I want is my team blowing up because of um, rivalry uh, between my two uh, top players. Um, so Mane gave Salah six goal assists in the first season. They, they coincided 2017-18 in the Premier League. According to in the following year, the goal passes from Senegalese to the Egyptian were reduced to one. Since then, Mane has not given his partner more than two assists per season. The two agents who work regularly with Liverpool agree the root of the dispute was the club's lack of tact in renewing players' contracts. Mane was signed, to South, uh, signed from Southampton for about €40 million. Salah was signed from Roma for a similar amount in 2017. The two were given a salary of €2 million Euros annual net plus variables. However, seeing Salah scored 32 goals in his first league season in Premier League record, the leaders rushed to start negotiations with his agent to improve his contract. So they gave him €14 million net uh, per season, whereas Mane, poor old Mane, was left to stew on his two million until after they, uh, that you know, eventually they raised the, his salary to uh, ten million. Uh, his extreme sense of pride did not forget the comparative outrage. Mane felt Salah could, Salah could never play like Mane, but he, freed from work in midfield, could score all the goals that Salah scores. And that's when he breaks into Trevor Sinclair quote, and you're sort of scratching your head, going, "Is Trevor? What does Trevor Sinclair know?" <laughs> that's a bit like getting Ja Rule, you know, to comment. <laughs> like, where, where is Ja? Um, <laughs> Uh, Klopp uh, admitted blah blah uh, yada yada okay. I, okay this is the other big claim a year ago Klopp tried to solve the crisis in a clear way convinced that the most important player in the squad was Mane he agreed with Liverpool they would put Salah up for sale the starting price was 120 million euros negotiable the Egyptian remained in the showcase throughout the second summer of the pandemic but no one offered what they asked for to Klopp seriously decide how well you know uh, the, this club ain't big enough for the both of them and if I'm going to sell one it's going to have to be Salah <laughs> like, that's something which really happened because uh, it's interesting put well, the two look, names in an envelope and uh, yeah. told the lads one of these guys is getting sold but look uh, <laughs> but, but uh, Mane anyway got the he did the business he scored the penalty uh, you know he uh I mean, Salah barely got a got a kick in the game. No, he had a couple of, a couple of half shots in the first half. But just watching him standing there crying already before the penalty shoot was finished, knowing that he wasn't even going to be able to get to take a penalty, was just it's mad to look at it. A lot of people making the same point last night. Ronaldo, I think he used to do it. Got burnt by it at Euro twenty twelve and doesn't do it anymore. What does he go fourth now just to make sure that he gets a kick in? Like, I did see one argument being made that if it does go to a fifth penalty, you want that person to be able to handle the pressure kick and yeah. all that sort of stuff. But it's really, I think, because the player themselves wants to be in that position where they are the hero and, you know, a fourth penalty, you might just be walking back to your teammates. Whereas if you score the fifth penalty, you might well be yeah. walking away. I mean, it, it's John, it, it John Terry put himself fourth, didn't he? Fifth, rather. Mm. John, John, Terry put him, John Terry put himself fifth in, yeah. that, in the 2008 shootout. Um, I'll be able to handle it. <laughs> Right. Um, yeah, so it is It is like that. Um, the, I mean, the main thing is you just want to, you know, you've got to take a fifth penalty before you worry about who's taking it. You've got to get to the fifth penalty. And the best way to get to the fi- to ensure that you will take a fifth penalty is to have your best penalty takers taking yes. the ones before. So, um, you know, it's not very complicated. Little, it's really not very complicated. Simple, simple. 
Well done to Sadio Mane and Senegal on their first Africa Cup of Nations victory, a very popular victory it seemed to be. Before we go today, I've got some live event news that will be of big interest to any of you who loved the Where is George Gibney podcast. The series has received worldwide acclaim over the past 12 months, winning multiple awards in Ireland and internationally. It's been listened to many millions of times in over 160 countries. And now you're going to have your chance to go to a live event and hear all about the making of Where is George Gibney. Tickets go on sale this Thursday for what is a once-off event in the National Concert Hall in Dublin taking place on April 20th. So tickets on sale this Thursday. The night itself is going to be April the 20th. All proceeds will go to One in Four, which is a brilliant charity that provides professional counselling to adult survivors of childhood sexual abuse. They helped a lot of people affected by the series, so we'd love to raise a lot of cash for them in April. The night will feature Mark Horgan and Karen Cassidy, but also the likes of Gary O'Toole, Trish Carney, Johnny Watterson, and many others who blew you away in the series. The event will be presented by one of our favourites, Sinead O'Carroll. So April 20th is going to be a very special night in the National Concert Hall. Remember, this is for one night only. It's never going to happen again. It is a celebration of the podcast series and also an amazing opportunity to show your support for the work being done by One in Four. If you were a fan of the series, please buy a ticket. Maybe you've got friends or family who are into the series but might not be regular Second Captain's listeners. Please spread the word to those people as well. Tickets on sale this Thursday at 10am. You can go to nch.ie or secondcaptains.com and for more information on the work of one and four go to one and four.e full football podcast coming up tomorrow that's for world service members only also this premier league during the week will salah and mané be in the liverpool team together to play leicester i don't know i think klopp has said he hasn't made a decision on that from what i was reading today but we'll see you have to be a member to listen to our coverage of that secondcaptains.com five euro a month plus fat thanks murph thanks again thank, thank you, you. Owen, and thank Owen. you ken and thank you thanks Kira. for listening talk soon It's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. It is not war and death and famine, it's not that at all. It's the opposite of that, it's to persuade us of the world outside of that. That's why sport's important. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.